Um, uh, look, if you don't know who I am, my name is Andy. I'm here with my wife, Danny. We're the lead pastors of our West Campus. Uh, if you're new here to, to Manurewa, you might not know, Danny and I actually started here. This was our home campus, and so uh, very much this is a part of who we are. Even though West is now our new home, can I tell you a secret? You guys will always hold a special place in our heart. Okay, don't tell the West that. Don't tell the Westies that. But um, hey, massive shout out to some of our West crew who have come to join us tonight. So cool to have you guys. And uh, look, I just want to take a moment to give honor where honor is due. You know, uh, you know, Don and the team, you guys have been doing a fantastic job here. All we hear about what's happening at Manurewa is good stuff, great stuff. So good on you guys. Can we put our hands together for Don and the team? You guys are amazing. Amazing. Well, hey, it's my privilege, my honor to be here sharing the word tonight. But hey, before we get into it, let's just take a moment to pray. Lord God, I just thank you for your presence here tonight. Lord God, I thank you for the opportunity to share your word. And right now, Lord God, I just, I just put myself aside. God, I pray that you would move. Let it not be my words, but let it be your words, Lord God. Father, I pray that, that right now you'd fill me up with your presence, with your spirit, and anoint me to share your word. And I pray that everyone will receive something personal from you tonight in Jesus' mighty name. And if you believe that, would you say amen? Amen. amen. And amen. Hey, um, a little while ago, Danny and I, we went on a holiday to Paihia. Anyone been Paihia before? Man, isn't it absolutely stunning? It's so beautiful. And so one morning while we were on holiday, we decided we'd go for a romantic walk along the beach because apparently that's what married couples do. And so we were walking along this beach and after about an hour, Danny turns to me and says, I think I've lost my phone. And uh, if you know Danny, you know that she has a gift when it comes to losing things, right? And so we turn around and start walking back to where we started, trying to find this phone. Now, the tide was coming in, so our romantic walk turned into a frantic walk, and we're trying to find her phone. And so I think, okay, you know, let's be smart about this. I'll call her phone, and then we can hear it ring. But of course, she forgot to charge it the night before. And so it goes straight to voicemail. And so we walk all the way back to where we started, and we could not find her phone. And so we were determined, so we turn back around, and we start walking back to where we went. Now, just next to the beach was a bank that ran about two meters higher than the beach for the, for the length of the beach. So I thought, well, Danny was walking along the beach. I'd walk up on that bank so that I could get a different viewpoint, and then I figured between the two of us, we'd find her phone. And uh, sure enough, after a while, I spotted her phone from the bank in the sand amongst the shells. I yelled out, aha! I found it. And the funny thing is, it was right next to where Danny was standing. In fact, she'd almost stood on it. But you see, here's the thing. She was closer to her phone than I was. We're both looking at the same place. We're both looking for the same thing. But because I had a different perspective, I was able to see her phone. And you know, sometimes we find ourselves in life looking at a situation, feeling so certain about what's going on that we make our decisions, we make our actions based off our perception when the reality is that our perspective is actually wrong. You know, quite often we're looking at something with one perspective, but we fail to realize that actually we may not have the only perspective and sometimes our perspective is wrong. Sometimes we can't see what God is doing because we aren't sitting where he's sitting. You know, sometimes we see the corner, but we forget that God sees around the corner. 
We see the hill, but forget that to see that God sees over the hill to the other side. We see the problem, but God sees the promise. We see today, but God sees tomorrow. In John 11, we see the story of a man named Lazarus. If you know the story, everyone looking into the situation, what they saw was a man who'd been dead for four days. In their, in their mind, in their perspective, he was dead. So they put him in a tomb because he was dead. But then Jesus comes along. And when the people saw a man who was dead, Jesus saw a miracle just waiting to happen. He saw a testimony to his divinity as Lord and Savior. And so he calls Lazarus out of that tomb and he lives again. Get this, two different people looking at the same thing, two different perspectives and two very different outcomes. See, this is the principle of perspective. Where you sit determines what you see and what you see determines what you do. In life, the place that we sit ourselves in determines what we see in a situation, and that in turn that determines the decisions and the actions that we take. In Mark 6, 1 to 6, it says, uh, Jesus goes back to his hometown with some of the disciples, and it says that when the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked. What's this wisdom he's been given? What are these remarkable miracles he's performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and brother to James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here among us? And they took offense to him. Jesus said to them that a prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives, and in his own home. Get this. This is the point I want you to get. He could not do any miracles there except lay hands on a few people, a few sick people, and heal them. And he was amazed at their lack of faith. See, because of their lack of faith, Jesus wasn't able to do many miracles there. Now, I bet the disciples who were with Jesus had come into that place and they were pumped up. They were saying, man, you guys are about to get your minds blown with what this guy is about to do. You see, they had a revelation as to who Jesus was, but all the people in Jesus' hometown, all they saw was the boy that grew up next door. And because that was their perspective, they missed out on what God was wanting to do in that moment. Friends, let me tell you, never let a lack of faith make you miss out from what God has for you, like it did with these people in this story. You know, in the Bible, the Israelites, they knew that Jesus was coming. For hundreds of years, that it had been prophesied that a Messiah was coming. They'd been praying for him. They were expecting the Messiah, Jesus, to come as a king who was going to give them victory over every nation of the earth, over every other kingdom, every other king. That's what they were expecting. As we know today, Jesus came as a king to give us an even greater victory over sin and death. And not just for the Israelites, but for everyone in this world. Now get this. Because Jesus came in a way that was different to what the Israelites were expecting, they rejected him. They didn't recognize that he was the very thing that they'd been praying for, and they sent him to the cross to die. They rejected the very thing that they'd been praying for because they did not recognize him when he came. He came in a different way to what he looked. See, church, if we're not careful in life, we can miss out on what God is doing because it looks different to how we expected it to look. We can miss out on our miracle, our blessing, our healing, our calling, our purpose in life because we have the wrong perspective. So how do we make sure we don't miss out on what God is doing? How do we make sure that we don't have the wrong 
perspective. Well, firstly, we need to reposition. We need to reposition. It means to adjust or alter positions. It requires us to move, to change seats, to get a wider perspective, to take a step back and look at the bigger picture. I love what it says in Isaiah 55 verse 9. It says, just, For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts, says the Lord. We need to understand that God sees everything where we only see in part. To reposition, we need to acknowledge that we might not be seeing the full picture, that there might be more to it that meets the eye. We need to come before God in a position and a posture of prayer and ask Him to give us the right perspective. However, who knows that when the pressure comes, when we're faced with a challenge, we have that pressure to act immediately, right? There's a certain pressure to to act upon it and make an action straight away immediately so we can avoid any prolonged exposure to that situation. But the problem is, if we don't have the right perspective, then we can end up making the wrong decision and we can make things worse for ourselves. See, in life, we can find ourselves hitting a brick wall. Come on, we've all been there. And immediately, We find ourselves hard-pressed against the brick wall, trying to push through it and getting absolutely nowhere with it. But the thing is, if we just take a step back to get a better perspective, to get a wider view, we might realize that there is an end to that brick wall. And if we just take a moment to reposition ourselves, it might mean changing our direction momentarily, but we can get around that obstacle. We can get around that brick wall. You know what I've come to realize? It's so much easier for me to move myself than to move a brick wall. Amen? Anyone know what I'm talking about? Exodus 14, 14 says that the Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. You know, I love this verse. I love this verse. It's one I've held on to many times. And all the pressures and the stresses and the struggles in life, sometimes we need to remind ourselves just to stay calm and remind ourselves that God has got this, that he is in control. James 4 verse 7 says, Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. We need to reposition ourselves into a posture of submission to God. Another version says to humble ourselves. We need to humble ourselves when we're facing challenges and and we're feeling uncomfortable. We need to understand that God is in control. That we need to come before Him with humility and, and not fall into temptation, but persevere in what is good. See, Your breakthrough is right around the corner. You just don't see it yet. You know, I love this quote from Danish theologian and philosopher Soren Kierkegaard. He says that life is lived forward, but only understood backwards. Life is lived forward, but only understood backwards. Isn't that so true? See, there are things that are going on right now in your present day that are only gonna make sense in your future. See, not everything that's happening to you right now that doesn't make sense, just because it doesn't make sense, doesn't mean it's senseless. You're just not yet in a place and space where God is making sense out of it, amen? See, maybe you're in one of these seasons right now and you don't understand why things have turned out the way they have, why that that contract fell through or why that money wasn't deposited or, or why that opportunity didn't happen or why your marriage fell through. Let me tell you, sometimes, sometimes God isn't ready to give us the answer. Sometimes we need to stop waiting for the answer and just realize that we're in a season where we need to keep going regardless. Maybe God hasn't given you an answer yet because he's saying, would you just keep trusting me? Would you just keep pushing forward regardless? He wants to test 
our faith. And it is a time where God will distinguish between what we think we need and what we actually need. Amen? See, if God hasn't given you the answer yet, then maybe it's not the right time for it. Number one, we need to reposition. Number two, we need to refocus. Someone say refocus. Who knows that whatever you focus on will come larger, right? For example, if you focus on learning, you'll grow. If you focus on eating cake, well, you're still going to grow, but in a different way, right? I'm working on my dad jokes. Um, hey, look, if I'm, if I'm always focused on one thing, it's, it's going to appear larger. See, what we're focused on determines the direction. It determines our destination. You know, it, it kind of is like a, like a magnifying glass, right? See, I have a magnifying glass. You see, in my pocket. Now you're going to be guessing what's in this pocket. Keep guessing. I have a magnifying glass. And the thing is that whatever I focus on gets bigger, right? If I focus on my notes, my notes get bigger. If I focus on Connor on the front row, he gets bigger. Whatever I focus on gets bigger. But you see, the truth is that when I'm focusing on my notes and focusing on Connor, they're not actually getting any bigger. They're staying the same size. It's my perception and my perspective that is changing. And you know, it's the same with our problems. When we're focusing on our problems, they don't actually get any bigger. They stay the same size. But when we're focusing on them, they appear to get bigger and bigger and bigger to the point where they're just way too overwhelming to deal with. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? See, where we focus determines our destination. So we need to learn to focus on the promises of God instead of our problems. We need to learn to focus on Scripture and find a promise for our problems. And one promise we can always hold on to is found in Romans 8, 28. And it says, For I know that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love God and who are called according to His purposes for them. And if that's not enough for you, go on and read verse 31 that says that if God is for us, then who can stand against us? Amen? See, the situation you're facing right now, God will turn it around in your favor. You might not see it right now. You might not realize it, but it is a promise that He has made. Just because you don't see it right now, doesn't mean that he's not working in the the background. See, if you're living a life in God's will, when you're faced with persecution and opposition, don't worry because no one can stand against you. The the, the enemy might be trying to form weapons against you, but no weapon will prosper. Amen? See, we need to get a change of perspective. We need to refocus. See, often in life, we're focused on the problem, but see, God sees the purpose. Often we're focused on the obstacle. God sees the opportunity. We're focused on the pain, but God sees the potential. We're focused on the test, but God sees the testimony. We see the broken. God sees the brokenness. We see a mistake, but God sees a masterpiece. Come on, friends. God is wanting us to have a change in our perspective. Don't miss out on what God is doing just because you're focused on the wrong place. See, when you focus, where you focus determines your destination. If you're always focus, focusing on the negative, guess what? You're going to become negative. Yeah. And, and it's not just with bad things either. You know, some people get so focused and they're so focused on all the good things God has done for them in the past that they miss all the good things God has for them in the present. You know, there's a reason 
that they make your windscreen in the car a hundred times bigger than that rear view mirror. Because as helpful as it is to be able to see where you've been, it's so much more important to be able to fix your focus on the things that are in front of you, to fix your focus on what is yet to come. See, we need to focus on the big picture. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, So let's not look at the troubles that we see now. Rather, fix our gaze on the things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Friends, we need to learn to fix our focus, to take it off the natural things that we see and fix it on the promises of God, which last for eternity. But so often, so often when people are facing a problem, we start to look for a distraction. Do you realize that often people who are looking for a distraction are actually looking to be saved from something? Think about it. See, if we're looking for a distraction on social media or through endless YouTube videos of cute cats or cute dogs surfing or, or through binge watching Netflix, often it's because we're looking to be saved from something. And in the absence of something that will actually bring real healing and bring breakthrough, we look to distraction. This is the definition of procrastination. It's the definition of procrastination. And don't get me wrong, we, we all need downtime. And a lot of people use these things for, the down, for their downtime, and that's okay. And the right time and place, these things can actually be productive. But what I'm trying to say is a lot of the time, if people are seeking and get caught up in a distraction, is because they're looking to be saved from something. See, the, the, their focus is in the wrong place. I love what the Apostle Paul says in Philippians 4, 12 to 13. He says, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. See, here's the truth, friends. Can I be honest with you tonight? If our focus is on God, He will give you everything that you need to get through every situation. If our focus is on God, then we don't need to worry about what's happening because He will make us, He will help us get through every season. So we need to reposition, we need to refocus, and finally, we need to redirect. We need to redirect. See, we need to learn how to redirect our energy to the things that are within our control to actually change. See, often when we're faced with a problem, it's often not just one challenge, right? There's several several different factors to take into consideration. And has anyone else noticed, noticed that when one thing goes wrong, suddenly everything goes wrong and we can feel overwhelmed? And maybe it's just me, I don't know. We can feel overwhelmed and bombarded with a whole lot of things and, and, and everything seems to be going wrong. But it is in these times that we need to reposition ourselves in the will of God. We need to refocus on His Word, on Scripture, on His promises, and we need to redirect our energy on the most important things that are actually within our control and ability to change. Matthew 6, 26 to 34, and, uh, and, and this is a bit of a break from the message, but I really felt led to put this in here. I believe this is for somebody here tonight. It says this, it says, look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in the barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And they aren't, aren't they so much more valuable to Him? Aren't you so much more valuable to Him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field, how they grow. They don't, uh, uh, don't, don't, uh, whoa, where am I? Sorry, long verse. They don't work and worry about clothing. 
You know, they, they don't make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly take care of you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what will I eat? What will I drink? What will I wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek first the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything that you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Can I encourage you? When you're going through a battle, sometimes all you can do is worry about today. Sometimes all you can do is focus and attack what is in front of you today. Just take one thing, one situation, one aspect that you actually have the ability to change. Put your energy, put your attitude, put your, uh, uh, your attention onto that thing. And if you do that every day before you know it, you'll find yourself on the other side of that hill walking in the promise of God. See, the definition of redirect is to change a course or direction. Sometimes in order to follow God, it requires us to have a change of direction. You know, in the Bible, there was a baby boy named Moses. You may be familiar with the story. The ruler at the time named Pharaoh, he ordered that the firstborn baby boy of every, every family would be killed. And in a moment, he was on the course to be executed, but God intervened. Moses's mom put him in a basket and put him on a river, and he's, he was found by Pharaoh's daughter, who raised him as her own. And if you know the story, Moses grew up to free the Israelites from Pharaoh, from Egypt. See, Moses had a redirect. There was another boy named David. He was the youngest of many sons, and he was a shepherd boy, and he had no claim to inheritance. But then in a moment, God intervened, and God told him he was going to be the next king of Israel. And he grew up to be one of the greatest kings who ever lived. See, David had a redirect. Then there's Saul. See, Saul, he was on a mission to kill Christians and to destroy the, and persecute the early church. But then in a moment, he had an encounter with God. God intervened. He changed his name from Saul to Paul. And God used the very person who was trying to destroy the church to be one of the key people he used to build the church. See, Saul had a redirect. In fact, if you read the Bible, you'll see that it is full of redirects, if I can get the keys to join me on stage. See, God is our shepherd, and He is constantly redirecting us, but it is for our own good. Can I suggest to you that if you find yourself in a situation pressed up against a brick wall, and you find that you are having to change your direction, that there seems to be a redirect, can I suggest that maybe God allowed that brick wall to happen so you'd have a course correction so that you would change your direction? See, not everything bad that happens to you is bad for you. Did you know that? Not everything bad that happens to you is bad for you. See, we need to have often a course correction, a change in direction. You see, perhaps God, in fact, God definitely can see your destination. He can see where you're heading. He can see the ultimate outcome of that current trajectory that you're on. And perhaps he allows things to happen in your life, not because he wants you to go through pain, not because he wants you to suffer, not because he wants you to 
to be on your knees and, and crying when no one else sees, but because he loves you. And he wants to say, my daughter, my son, that is not the direction that I have for you. I've got a different plan. That is not your destination. I've got a better purpose for you. I'm telling you, friends, if you would just trust in God and allow Him to redirect you, He'll take you to greater places that you could ever dream of. He'll take you to greater places than you ever thought was possible. And I know there's many people in this room who are a testament to that. Friends, maybe you're here tonight and you know that you need a course, start, course correction. You know that you're not heading in the destination that God has for you. Friend, I wanna tell you that you're here for a reason tonight. That God knew before the world was formed that you'd be sitting on that seat you're on right now. And I feel so strongly in, in, in my spirit that God is saying, would you allow me to redirect you? You know who you are. Would you allow me to put you on the right path? I've got so much more for you. Friends, would you mind bowing your heads and close, closing your eyes across this place? In just a moment, if that's you, I want to give you an opportunity to have a course correction. What does a course correction look like? Let me tell you. Tonight, it's the easiest thing you could do. It's just allowing Jesus to come in and take control of the wheel. It's just saying, Jesus, I've done it my own way. I'm sick of hitting these brick walls. God, I'll try your way. Come on, with every head bowed and every eye closed. On the count of three, if that's you and you're saying, yeah, you know what? I want to try it God's way. I want to let God have control. If that's you on the count of three, I'd love to pray a prayer with you. I'm going to ask you to put your hand up on the count of three just so that I can see who I'm praying with. I'd love to stand with you and pray with you. One, Jesus loves you. Hands already going up. Two, he's got such an incredible plan and purpose for your life for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. Three, if that's you, would you put your hand up saying, yes, I need a course direction. Yes, I wanna follow Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. God bless you. Thank you. If you put your hand up, can I just tell you, congratulations. That's incredibly bold. It's the best decision you're ever gonna make. Right now, I'm gonna pray a prayer. And as a church family, we're all gonna repeat this prayer after me, especially if you made that decision. And you know what? Maybe you didn't put your hand up, but in your heart, you wanted to. You can pray this prayer. It's no less relevant. So right now, would you pray this prayer after me? Say, dear Jesus, I thank you that you love me. Right now in this moment, I confess that I'm a sinner in need of a savior. Right now, I give my life to you, holding nothing back. I allow you to do a course correction. Would you lead me and guide me in your will? No longer my will be done, but your will be done. In Jesus' name. Come on. Can we celebrate with those people who made that decision?